I wanted to start with a uh, story that my three-year-old son uh, did. So he's um, he's really been watching YouTube and this one YouTube channel about a dog named Tucker. And um, and it's like this this person makes videos of their golden retriever, which is, should resonate with you, the, the <laughs> dog lovers. And anyway, in the episodes, there's always a, today is brought to you by blank shoe company blah, blah blah and they talk about the shoes or whatever and so i was like i was playing with my son today and he just looked at me and he's like today is brought to you by like he wanted to know from me what's today's sponsor of us <laughs> hanging out and this podcast <laughs> trained me for coming up with ridiculous sponsors so i'm like no sweat you want a weird sponsor i got it and so see even even the hosts of this podcast we're getting stuff out of it too <laughs> wait so who was who was the sponsor for today we're going to get there. Oh, oh, no, for, for my son. son. Yeah. Oh my God. I've already forgotten these things. They go through <laughs> me. Like they go through me. Like, like, uh, like nothing. Yeah. God, who was it? It was a good one. I was remember being proud, but he didn't think it was good. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Toughest critic. I think you should build a career in data science. Welcome to build a career in data science. I am your host, Jacqueline Nolas. And I'm also your host, Emily Robinson. This podcast is a data download into all the non-technical knowledge and skills you need to succeed in a data science career. In season one, each episode is a chapter from our book, also called Build a Career in Data Science. You can buy the book at bestbook.cool and get 40% off with the code buildbook40%. But if you don't uh, have that book yet, you will get no less enjoyment out of the podcast. But this is one of the last episodes of season one, so you should go out and buy the book. We only have right, a few more episodes to convince you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, later too, but more now. Um, yes. So, right. So this week we're talking about the last chapter of the book, although we'll have an epilogue episode and at least one more bonus episode beyond that. So we're talking about the last chapter of our book, which is what do you do as you get even more senior as a data scientist? Like what are, what kind of roles are there five years into this job, 10 years into this job? Um, and in the chapter, we kind of outline three of them, one being you could become a manager, one being you could become a technical lead or a um, principal is the title, or you could like go be a freelancer or something. Uh, there are far more possible paths you can take too, but these are just kind of three interesting ones, two really common ones, and then the independent consultant one's just interesting too. So yes, that is today's episode. Yeah, and I think it's worth talking about this because I think it's kind of obvious for the manager and the independent consultant how this differs from being a senior data scientist, right? So with the manager, most people have some vague idea of what a manager does because most people hopefully working in industry have a manager. So, you know, okay, like this is some of the things that they do. An independent consultant, you might not know too much about. We'll get into it, right? But you can certainly understand how that's different. You're not employed just by one company, salaried, you know, regular-ish hours, uh, but you're finding companies to work for. But the principle, I think, or lead is kind of interesting because that seems like, is that just like a faster slash like better slash more experienced data scientist? And actually, I think in some ways maybe yes, but I think often at places it's actually somewhat of a different job than what a senior data scientist is. So that's why I think it's important to talk through all of these because one, some you may not be that familiar with, or but two, there may also be some misconceptions you have about what each of these roles entails. Yes, let's start with that one, the principal data scientist. Um, we should also, uh, we should preface this episode with, I have been all three of these roles. Emily has not been <laughs> any of these roles, which I think, and I don't think that's like a, and then I will have more interesting things to say. I think in some sense, I'm like, 
I've seen it all, so I'm grumpy. Like I'm, it's like I think there's a really valuable viewpoint of the person who is aspiring to potential to choose one of these as opposed to me. I'm like I don't know. Um, anyway, so a principal data scientist. For me, when I've been a principal, it's basically kind of like you're the data science kind of like strategic strategic person slash fixer. So like if your company is like, hey, we are thinking about, um, you know, we want to recommend products based on what you buy previously. You're kind of the person who's going to sit there and be like, well, how would we actually do that? Like what systems would connect? And like, how would the model run? And would it go, would it be a batch thing? Would it run continuously? Like it's kind of your job to figure it out. So in some ways it's similar to an architect. You're also though, it's kind of like you're the fixer. Like it's your job when a, a more junior data scientist, or like even a senior data scientist, if they're like hitting a wall and they're like, I can't get this model to work. You are the, you're where the buck stops. Like you have to be the last line of defense of I need to fix what's going on. Um, and then lastly, you are kind of the most strategic thinker in the sense that like, when it's like, well, what's the company going to work on next? Like what, what sorts of things should we be thinking about in the future? It's kind of your job as a principal to have a vision on like, where should we be heading versus like, what is, what is distracting and unimportant? Yeah. And I think the buck stops here is like an important point, right? Cause it's not just sort of the technical buck stops here, right? As in like, okay, there's this, you know, technical issue they're running into, you sort of have to figure out either how to get around it or how to solve it, but kind of like the, the stakeholder one too, right? Like the performance of the team, sometimes that can mean like eating some of the crap or doing the project that's important for the team, but no one else really wants to do. Um, like you are a leader, right? Um, like all of these roles, a principal manager and independent consultant are a leader um, in one way or another. And I think that can be like, you know, it's, it's, when I was talking about a different job, so one book I'll probably reference a couple of times is a great new book that came out called uh, Staff Engineer, uh, Leadership on the Technical Track by Will Larson. Uh, so there aren't that many books currently out right now about being um, a technical leader, although there's been more books about management. And one thing he talks about is he interviews a bunch of uh, staff and principal engineers. And, you know, just want to preface that that can be a little bit different than data science, but I think some of the trends hold true, which is some of them say like they spend a lot of time in meetings now, right? They do a lot of stakeholder facing stuff because like what you were saying, Jacqueline, they have to do these big picture things, which requires often like meeting with lots of different teams. So even though you're expected to have a pretty high technical ability, you may actually find that most of the time you're using that more for kind of big picture stuff, maybe the occasional like debugging or unblocking one of your teammates rather than necessarily always getting to like you know, just, just code all day and like, it, it, you know, ignore other people and just focus on your project because you have to be the one stepping back and really thinking about how everything fits together. So a couple of things on that one. Yeah, it really is a job with lots of meetings. Um, you do have some still tech, like there is technical work there. And like that when you probably, when a problem comes to you, it's because it's so gnarly, other people can't handle it. So like you often do get very interesting problems, but yeah, a lot of your time is sitting in meetings and often it's like, you're kind of a line of defense. So if like a, a vice president comes to your team and, you know, they're like, we want the data science team to use website click data, like what people are clicking on our website to predict the future stock price. And like that would never work. Stock prices are not correlated to what people are clicking on the website. And it's kind of your job to be the one who gets in front of that and has to be like, well, hold on. We shouldn't invest six months into working on that because it won't work. Like it is your job to do that. And that is a lot of like, but, but won't it work? Don't you want to try it? And you have to be like, no, really. You know, and like, like there's a lot of that like political negotiating. And similarly for products that are good ideas, like, hey, we really should be trying this other product. And, and like, but should we? Like, there's a lot of that back and forth. So 
it's not a job where you can be like, well, I don't want to gain communication skills. So I'll just Mm -hmm. be a data scientist to become a technical lead. It's like, no, this is has a lot of there's like, there's so much communication as part of a principal's job. Yeah. Should we talk next about the managers? Speaking of communication skills? Yeah, although I will just say as a preface, or I will just Mm -hmm. note, I think of these three that we're going to talk about, I think the principal is my favorite one that I've been so far. Okay. I think it's a really fun do you one. want to talk so about? I, do you want to talk about it some more? Yeah, I just like doing that kind of like like what's like like what's gonna like like let's talk about the strategy or like hey what how are all these systems gonna fit together and like hey like we need to like I don't know I find that level of problem solving interesting. Um, but I will say that when you have that job, you do less like I want to fit regressions and neural nets. Like you do less of that, and it's like kind of like one level of abstraction of problem solving, which I think is really fun. But I do anyway. want to. Say one thing, and, and we'll talk more about this in our, our um, the second part of this episode, which is about getting the title. But I do want to be clear, most companies, you will not need to become a principal in order to stay on the technical track. So what I mean is like, um, so, you know, again, staff and just talking about there's this idea of the career level, which is essentially a level you can stay at for years. You won't get fired if you don't advance, but it's also not, you know, you could be doing a good job and you won't necessarily get promoted. Um, and that's basically because like it becomes sort of exponentially harder to get promoted. So versus when you're a junior, it's probably expected in some companies, if you don't get promoted within two or three years, that means you are going to get fired. Like you basically have to kind of, it's like up or out that stops at some level. So you can just be a senior data scientist for a long time. And that's not necessarily, maybe you go to different companies with that title. So you keep learning different things. You're able to learn where you are, but you don't necessarily have to become a principal or quit data science. Um, if you want to stay on the technical track. And I would go farther and say that not only that, I think there are many, many people who I would say do not become a principal. You will have more fun and enjoy your job more as a senior data scientist. Yes. Because a principal, yeah, you have to deal with all this ridiculous politics on like, oh, you saying that this model isn't a good idea is going to get this person upset with the team. You like, and blah, blah, blah. like, I don't know, there's just so much politics. And if you just love doing those models and that kind of work, then that is actually more of a senior tech, or senior data scientist job than a technical leads job. Yeah. So um, the next one, right? Manager. So as I said, right? Probably you know most people like a vague idea, like okay, a manager like hires people. They sometimes have to fire people. They usually meet one on one with their reports. I guess they set goals, but you know, for you know, I, I feel like I've gotten a better idea. But I feel like a lot of people when they're starting out, it's like, but what is my manager? You know, when they're not in one on ones with their team, when they're not hiring right now, like. What do they do with all the rest of their time? And I think this actually does vary a lot between the types of data science teams. So I'd love um, maybe some story time for you, Jacqueline, of like, how did you spend your days as a manager? No, no. See, no? and this is exactly no why. Time? No, see, this is exactly why I thought you were going to have be more interesting on the show than me. Because I want to hear what you think a manager oh, does. I think as a someone manager who has <laughs> not been a manager, what do you think a manager does? A yeah. lot of meetings, just like a, a principal. Everything yeah. has to be a meeting. Uh, well, that's what I mean. I think it varies based on what the team does. So I've been on teams where like part of the manager's job. Um, so for example, if you're like a centralized data science team is figuring out is just like that principal, right? Maybe working with the principal. What should the team be working on, right? Like figuring out projects, talking to other departments, like maybe doing some initial scoping of the work, right? Like that takes up a fair amount of time. And then also I do think for a manager with six to seven people, you know, or more, being a good manager takes up most of your week, right? Like just the individual people management, right? Those one-on-ones addressing issues that come up with, like, you know, um, uh, certainly once you become a manager, managers, you have like, you know, even more people below you. So 
I, you know, very much believe that can just take most of and, and also things like, uh, are the team meetings running well, right? Like not just running the team meetings, but reflecting, you know, a few weekly meetings, are these serving the purposes? Uh, do we want to experiment with a new way of working? Um, right. So it's always kind of having that radar up of like thinking in general of your team. Okay. Do we have the right balance here? Are people individually happy? Are we working on the right projects? Um, is the way we work correct? Um, so yeah, I feel like that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a lot of stuff that's going on. A lot. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit on point. It so depends on the team, right? Because if your team does not have a technical lead, often the manager is a technical lead of like, right. oh, every other data scientist can't get this code to work. The manager is going to try their best, right? Like that happens. Also, if there's not a project manager or product manager, yeah, no, a project yeah. manager, then the manager's job is, you said, like really thinking of like, what is everyone working on every day? Are they doing it quickly enough? Do we need to move timelines? Like it, that is the job of a project manager, but a data a manager does it too. And yeah, I think it really is, as you said, deciding what the priorities are. Because a principal should not be doing that. Like a principal should not be deciding if it is important to build a churn model. A principal should be deciding how would you build said churn model and what do you like technically need to do. But the manager should be deciding the priorities, which ends up being a enormous amount of work because you got to talk to a lot of people at the other, you know, other people at the company to decide what you should be working on and like, hey, if our thing can't work until that thing works and that thing's on the other team's not ready yet, and like that's all just communication and negotiation and stuff. Um, plus all of the general mentoring and other, you know, more stuff you probably notice because you your manager does that for you yeah yeah and i think similar to what you mentioned the principal sometimes like having to push back against that vp with the idea that's ever going to work a manager sometimes i think has to do that too like i've had managers before where i've come to them and i'd be like i've pushed back on this thing but it's just not landing i i think i you know i think i need you to help out here um and sometimes they can do that better because they have that positional authority yes yes and i think kind of the pitch i'd say of like why would you want to become a manager well, I think manager is a fun job for people who want to really think about the strategy, like the real strategy of the team in terms of like like that. If you find it fascinating to decide, hey, I think we should build a churn model and that churn model should be blah, blah, blah. Like if you get fascinated by thinking about the business use cases of data science, that is a good indication you should be a manager. As well as if you like leading people and you find yourself communicating well with other teammates and like trying to problem solve other people's things, like th that's kind of managery stuff too. So it's like, are you more interested in just focusing on the technical problems than your technical lead? If you want to think about the people and the strategy and the big picture thinking, then that's a sign you might want to be a manager. Yeah. And should yeah, I? Oh, about sorry. And again, I'm going to say the thing I said last one, which is I think there are many, 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 many people who would have more fun staying a senior data scientist than becoming a manager, even though like society suggests that a manager is a strictly better job to have as a. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of discussion around that. So I think that could happen or like people sort of feeling like they should become a manager and maybe not necessarily for the right reasons. And I think that's because one, as you mentioned, maybe it's like a society prestigious thing, but it also is because um, companies often have underdeveloped technical tracks. And so if someone like keeps wanting to like, you know, feel like they, they want a title change, they want a salary change or promotion, or whatever, there may not even be much of an idea of like even a principal role. And so sometimes people go for manager for that because often, you know, it's not just that manager step, then they're directors and VPs and you become the CEO, right? And you make like $10 million and run a 500 person company. Um, but I think that can be the wrong reason, just like we talked about, like you don't necessarily want to become a, a principal just like because you, you know, a faster writer, because it's a very different job and a manager also, right? It's like you have people, you have 
you know, control of people's livelihoods, right? Like you have like the power to fire people. You have the power to hire people. Like that's a pretty serious responsibility. And I think we've talked a lot in previous episodes about how important your manager is in terms of like your career as an individual. So it's the same thing, right? If you're a manager, you have not just even the hiring and firing, but like helping people grow, right? Like finding opportunities for them, sponsorship, like just making it a pleasant work environment, um, so I really do think it's, you know, it's something that should be taken seriously. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm curious about you, but I used to want to be a vice president. Have you, or like CEO or something no. high, like vice president plus, you've never wanted that? No. Okay. I don't know. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying that, I, you know, I, I, I mean that half jokingly and half seriously, right? It's like those sorts of levels. I do feel like, you know, the great part about a data science career is I feel like you can have a good salary, you can have interesting work, you know, like at a senior level, for example, right? And that could be very fulfilling for a really long time. And I I don't know, who knows, maybe this will change in 10 years, but at least right now I don't feel like, oh gosh, I have to like be like, you know, climbing the ladder as fast as possible. Like I know people at Etsy who were the same level at me and now they're, uh, some of them are managers, some of them who are one or two units above me. I think one of them might even be a director now. And like, you could look at that and be like, oh, I'm so far behind. But I don't know, I've really liked, you know, where my career has gone. I feel like I've learned a lot. And at this moment, that's not really where I want to go. So I think you are smarter than me. Um, (laughs) I think when I first entered the working world, I really had this notion of like, to be successful, I had to get to super high levels of company. I had to someday be a vice president or CEO of a company, blah, blah, blah. And it took years of my life before I realized, actually, at very many years. I don't think it was until I was a director that I realized, mm. oh, wait, I don't want this job at all. Like, it is actually not increasingly fun, as you point mm. out. I think it gets strictly less fun at the director level, um, which is fine. But, like, I now, I, I think I've realized that success in business doesn't mean you have the highest level title, like, I don't know. Yeah. I think being principal is extremely like a cool role. Like, and yeah. I would rather have a cool one-off role, something like that, than like be the highest of the hierarchy. And that took me so long. And so listeners, if you're listening and you have that feeling, um, it doesn't have to be that way that you aren't as successful. Your career is not a success until you hit some level, um, even yeah. senior data scientist, I would say. Like, like right. it doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters for your success. Yeah, you get to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So talk about the last one, independent mm. consulting, which yeah. I think we've mentioned this before, but this is my favorite part in, part in the book revision. Uh, so, right. So Jacqueline and I, we each wrote eight chapters and sent it to the other person to review and like edit. And I remember Jacqueline wrote this chapter 16. I remember getting the section on independent consulting. I had to write back like, quick, tone this down a bit because Jacqueline was just so negative about it. So I will say anytime in these books and stuff, like in writing and stuff like that, anytime I'm super passionate, it's because it's, I wish I knew some of this stuff before I, before I lived my life. And I think there's a part, just like I wanted to be a vice president, I also be like, I want to work independently and have consultants, companies hire me as a consultant and I'll do data science work for them and be my own boss. Um, and hashtag girl boss. Um, <laughs> and then, and then uh, I actually got that opportunity and it was extremely mixed. Um, and I see other people still being like, that'd be the coolest job, right? To be an independent consultant and work on your own. And 
it is not my favorite job. I mean, it was fine. It, I mean, it had its fine. It had its perks, but it was not my favorite job. I would rather be a principal at a company than independent consultant as of right now. And I just wish I knew that years ago when I spent all this time pining for that job. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that, right? So um, people can do consulting on the side, right? Like either with a full-time job or a part-time job. But for now, let's start with talking about like, okay, you don't have any kind of full-time or part-time salaried position. You're just doing consulting. So right, what does that mean? It means if you don't go out there and like try to drum up business or like work on a project, you are not getting paid. Um, you are also responsible um, either if you're... Um, you know, you're partnered, maybe you can get your partner's health insurance, but if you're not, you go figure out your own health insurance, right? You go figure out how to like save for retirement and independent accounts. You don't have your nice company's 401k. Um, and I know one thing you've talked about, Jack, is where I can appeal to people because they're like, I get to work on whatever I want, right? Like no more manager telling me what to work on or having to do a project just because the CEO thinks it's cool. Um, you know, but the downside of that, right, is you actually aren't going and doing technical work all the time. You have to do that work to um, first find people to hire you and then, con- well, first find people who have available jobs and then convince you to hire them, uh, which is a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. And then it's like, hey, hey, imagine that your company could go under two weeks from now perpetually. And the only thing that's keeping around is how well you can talk to people about the subject. And it's not like you could just call up random companies and be like, hire me. Like, it's just, they have to trickle in from your network. You have to talk to them. And if that works well enough, then you can get some like job. It is enormously stressful <laughs> to do this. Like it did not work for me at all. Um, and I had a very big network because I used to, you know, I worked for many years at consultant at other companies and the, you know, when I was at a consultant at a different company, the clients still got to know me. So I still had those connections and I struggled with this. And, um, so I struggle with this a lot. And I will also say you listed like, oh, you don't have a 401k. Oh, you don't have a, that is by far not the worst part I found. <laughs> it, is, it is companies don't just pay you, especially if you're like consulting for like a fortune 500 company. Sometimes they have, sometimes their contracts say we won't pay you for four months until af- four months after the month is done. So if you work <sighs> in January, all of January, you might not get that until what May 1st, your paycheck. Right. Imagine your company, mm-hmm. imagine where you are working right now, just decided to not pay you for four months. Like it is excruciating. Um, I did not do a very good job of managing any uh, of that finance stuff. And it's just like, yeah. it's just not the great time. I, I do think one benefit I have heard, and I think is somewhat true, is that if you, you know, if you either, is, is one of two things. One, that you can work fewer hours sometimes. Like if you're successful at drumming up business, I know some people have gone to consulting and they work, they say probably like 20, 25 hours and getting paid about the same because you can usually get paid more per hour of work. Um, and so if you do try, if you are successful in finding enough business to basically work, you know, kind of a full-time 40 hour week, you will often get paid. Maybe not then if you're whatever, like, you know, senior principal at Google with like $700,000 in stock, but you'll often get paid more than you will at most at most other companies. I think, so you're kind of pointing like, oh, if you're senior at Google, I think as a consultant, I made more than I could ever make at any other company, like at any company as an employee. Really? Like, I think I would have- Even with the RSUs? Even with those- Oh, I don't know. I, I refuse to believe that like <laughs> that the average- get- I don't know. like 500, anyway. But yeah, I, you can I make don't a lot think of money. that if you work at Google, you make $500,000 a year. I think you- 
I don't know. I'm sure you make more than other companies, but I don't think it's that much. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, there may be one person <laughs> who's at Google making that much and telling everyone in the world they make true. that no, much. No, no, no. See, well, okay, this is for, this is a sidebar, but this is for engineering. Uh, levels.fyi is a good website. It's mostly around engineering. So, um, they have some data sciences stuff as well. You would th- see things, they especially have, like, I think on the homepage, like Facebook, Google, Amazon, whatever, what are the compensation at different levels? And because of the RSUs, it's not uncommon for people who are staff to get selling like 200K base salary and about 200K in RSUs. Yeah, but to be staff at Google, that's like what, one in a hundred engineers? Like it's just, it's very hard. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure it is possible. And like, I literally just read an article that came out about how absurd it is to get promoted in Google. Like, yeah, you know, like you have to put yourself up for promotion. But yes, this is a long sidebar. But the point being, that can be one reason people are drawn to independent consulting. Either make the same money with less hours or, you know, work the same hours and make a lot more money. But it comes with it being very stressful. And of course, if you can't necessarily find that business, you may not end up making that money. Yes. But there's a twist here, which is to say, and we you brushed on this already, which is you don't have to have this be your full time job. And I highly recommend if you want to do consulting, don't do it full time, do it on the side, because then if you don't have business, it's literally not a problem. Um, And, and it's a good testing the waters that if you're like, this consulting is taking so much of my time, I can't do my real job. It's like, perfect. That is the signal that you should switch to doing consulting full time. It is hard to do consulting on the side while doing another job. Um, Having done it, it's like you lose your nights, which is not easy, but it, that can still be like, you know, like you can, you can make an extra 25 K in a cut, like over like two months, like just, Hey, like, that's great. You know, like, yeah. 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 And I do think one thing, you know, if you want, um, like, if you could give some, like what, so I think people might start out as like thinking about consulting on the side, but like, what the heck should I charge? Right. Oh yeah. And yeah. And so I think one strategy, so I was talking to someone recently who kind of in between jobs is doing just a little bit of consulting And he was saying, actually, he's quoting a pretty high rate. And what he's saying is, you know, my availability is very limited, which it is. And he's kind of known in the industry for a specific subsection. So I think that's working. But I guess, like, let's say you're just sort of like you have a decent network. You know, you're a good senior data scientist, but you're not like, you know, whatever, worldwide famous for this thing. Like, what is a, you know, what's even like a ballpark rate for what people charge? Okay, I will. I will tell people, I will tell you on this podcast world, I normally don't make this public, but I will tell what I tell people one-on-one if they're like, what do I, what should I charge in consulting? Which is if you're like, let's say you like, you have like, you know, an advanced, let's say, not even, like, let's say you have a couple of years, you know, let's say you're like decently like, you know, mid senior kind of data scientist and you're looking to get into consulting. I would say the lowest you should ever go, like any data scientist who's actually doing consulting is $100 an hour. I think that is like a floor for consulting. And I think that is quite low. And I think yeah. if you are like, you know, like kind of known, you got blogs there, you got a network and like kind of growing, I would say charge in the like two to 300 range, depending. And then if you're like, yeah, world class or whatever, um, you could charge 500 an hour. Basically, if like your name is so popular that if people would be like, of course we'll hire you, you're blah, 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 then then that you like 500 or more. And then you can start getting absorbent money. But like, yeah, like if you are, I am good at this job, but I'm not necessarily famous. I think like two to 300 an hour is very good. Like, yeah, that's very nice money. <laughs> yeah, and I think 
part of that is, and certainly when you start doing it more, right, is not everything is necessarily billable, right? Like that's part of why you charge more than your rate, you know, you get like per yes. hour if you take your salary is because you're not getting paid for every hour of work you do, actually. Yeah, it really is the case that if you don't have like long-term contracts to just lock into, like you should be spending like half your time on all of the business marketing running and all that stuff. And that's just... If you're like, I want to be an independent consultant because I just love data science so much, I don't want to do anything about data science, that logic does not work because independent consultants does far more data, far less data scientists than like a principal data scientist. So, yeah. yeah. So, the last thing I want to talk about this section, right, is like, how do you figure out what you might want to do, right? So, these are three, you know, pretty different paths. Obviously, you said there's kind of, you know, a little bit of overlap, but, um, you know, I think it can be sort of scary if someone's like, well, you know what, because you can't, like, just like we talked about in the last episode with, you know, being scary to leave a job because you can't really know what the next job is going to be like until you enter it, right? You can't know what any of these positions will really be like for you before you try it. I I wish I had a good answer to this <laughs> because my career, it's been, oh, I'm going to do that one. That one sounds fun. Wait, this is not what I expected, <laughs> right? Like I became a, the first one, like I became a director, and I'm like, oh, wait, I don't actually <laughs> like being a director. This isn't that great. And then I'm like, okay, then I'm going to be a consultant. Oh, actually, this is mixed too. Then I'm going to be a principal and I'm bouncing around. And it's like, I don't have any idea how to make these decisions. But I think the point is, is that often you won't know until you try it. And so trying to like figure out like, well, which clues and like which online quizzes do I take? We should make that as an online quiz as an aside. <laughs> like, which which role are you? But um, which, which, um, which role is right for me? I need to guess it perfectly because I can't undo mm -hmm. it. It's like, it's better to think of like, no, how are you going to design your career? So you could undo it, right? Like part-time consulting, like, hey, if you get a manager position and you don't like it, how can you make sure that you do it in a way yeah. that you could go back to an IC, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that is good because I think that's exactly it, right? It's you're not committing for life. And there's actually been a few good articles about like, uh, this concept of uh, charity majors wrote about the manager IC pendulum. And so it's kind of going back and forth between the positions. Uh, Caitlin Houdin's also talked about doing like a manager tour of duty. Um, so it's like work as a manager for a year. And yeah, I mean, basically, right, it's not like you, you, don't, you don't sort of do this and then you're locked in for life, right? As you've talked about with your own career, you've kind of switched back and forth. It certainly can become harder um, the longer you're I would say probably most with manager, like if you're a manager for say, like, I don't know, like eight years, it might be kind of hard to go back to the technical path because especially as you get to the higher levels of management, like you shouldn't be hands-on coding that much anymore, right? Yeah. Like when, yeah. Well, and if you're like, if you're like, mm -hmm. I don't like being a manager, but and I'll just stick around for eight years because I don't feel like leaving right. yet. Like, <laughs> Like, no. You probably, yes, yes, you probably, <laughs> right, exactly. I, I feel like, right, this is probably not actually risk, right? Because also you might realize like, oh, I liked being a manager, but I don't really like being a manager of managers, right? And you figure that out in a year, yeah. okay, you can go back to like being a manager. I think this can be hard because especially on that one path, that can really feel like a demotion, right? Because that is actually, or, or it, it is usually like if there's, if you're coming as a career ladder, that is a level below. It probably comes with a lower compensation band, right? Um, so, but I think it's, again, we're thinking about, okay, do you really just care about the title and climbing the ladder? Or do you realize like, actually like the money, the prestige, like the, the respect I get, like all of that is sufficient for me. And I just like doing this being like, say like more hands-on rather than, uh, you know, trying to like keep like four teams roadmaps in my head or whatever. Um, like that's, that's great. That's okay. And I think it's worth thinking about what you want. Yeah. And I will say when I have been on hiring committees for managers and directors and stuff, there is this sort of like, well, how much were you like just a manager of a couple people? 
And how much were you manager of managers or a manager who like had to lead like a bunch of people and think about the vision? Like, were you more like tactical manager or like more of a strategic manager slash director slash something like that? Like that stuff kind of matters. So like, if you don't like managing, don't spend so long into it that you're now managing people's people and things like that. Um, Like, but people understand that if you're a manager who's very tactical, if you're a manager of three Mm -hmm. people and you're helping them with their code and stuff, it is way easier to become an IC from that than it is to from a, a director or something like that. With that, shall we take a break? Sure. What What's that in the woods? Do you hear that sound? I, I hear a rustling. It keeps cutting in and out. It, it's kind of it's kind of random. I guess I guess this this must be a random forest. <laughs> That's right. This week's sponsor is the glorious algorithm, the random forest. Random forests are sets of decision trees that all together make better predictions with less overfitting than a single dis- large decision tree. Random forests are a go-to. Just plug in your features and it works starting point for modeling. And we'd love you to just go to them and plug in your data today. But where's the discount code, Jacqueline? Um, oh, I forgot to mention. <laughs> it's definitely on my notes. Let me look. Uh, if, you, if you use the offer code BESTBOOK, you will get um, the same the same level of accuracy, but with ten percent fewer trees. Woo. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good pretty deal. good. Yeah, go go and get that <laughs> yeah. deal, folks. Yeah, I'm glad it was written on this note. <laughs> <laughs> I would never put you on the spot like that, Jack. That's right. Come never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've gone through um, right a couple of the different paths you can take um, after senior data scientist, uh, but. You know, we've talked about like what it's like to be those, some of the pros and cons, but obviously that, you know, the uh, none of that matters as much if you can't get to be in that position. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about how do you get the title? And, you know, with that kind of starting out with, right, I've ref- referenced a staff engineering book. Um, and part of the reason I referenced that is that because data science pretty new, there's not honestly great developed career ladders in most places for data science, either for the IC or the management level. So I just want to, you know, say before this whole section that this, you know, we're going to give, you know, some advice, some some patterns we've observed, but this is still going to be different across companies. Honestly, even with engineering, there's not necessarily a standardized way, you know, especially like at a Google versus startup, this kind of thing is totally different. Um, but we just wanted to give you some idea of how you may be able to uh, get these titles at a, at a couple different uh, types of situations. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's let uh, let's just swap around the order. Let's talk about manager first, because I I actually think this is maybe the most straightforward of them. Just because compared, there are far more managers at data sciences than there are principals or independent consultants. And I think generally the way you it's it's hard to get promoted to manager just because it's rare that a team suddenly needs a manager. Like it's hard to do that. It's much easier to start a new job as a manager when you haven't had the title of manager before. But then you ask, well, how do I get the, how do I get a new job as a manager without having been a manager first? And what you do, and this is, I realize the exact same advice we give aspiring data scientists who want to become data scientists, which is you make stuff on your resume that isn't technically a manager position sound like it was management, which is to say, if you had led a project as an IC, like if you've been the head person in charge of coordinating stuff, describe like use that as like a management 
opportunity, right? Like find lots of things that are management-like you can do in your job as an IC and then use that to springboard yourself to become a manager. So it's funny because I've actually seen basically the opposite where, where most people I know who become managers have become managers at the company that they are at. Um, and that's because either um, a manager left or the manager got promoted to say like senior manager or director, right? So I need someone else, uh, you know, on the, on the quote, lower level or the team has grown. And so, right, when you are six engineers, you are six data scientists, you only need one manager. Now that you're 10, okay, we better get another manager. Okay, so this is fascinating. And I think one of the things I do not like about doing this podcast, which is I find myself making grand generalizations based just on my experience, and I have no idea how true they are in general. So I believe that, you know, maybe for many people, it is the easiest way to get, you know, promoted within a job within a yeah, within a existing company to a manager, I will say, I was the way I got to be a manager, like, okay, so I've never actually technically held the title of manager. I went from lead to director. And what that meant was I was a senior data scientist. And then I was a senior data scientist on a team that was small and needed someone to have some leadership. So I got title of lead. But like, I was barely even like, I was, I would not even describe that as like a principal. Like I was just kind of like one of like the head data scientists on that team of like three or four data scientists. And then I used that. So when a company was looking for a director, like starting a data science team and they need someone with a director title, they just brought me in and then the team formed up on me, which is maybe the point I should make, which is I think that worked very well for me and I expect it worked well for others. It's a lot easier to be a manager by being a person in the right place and then starting to hire a team that works for you than it is to become a manager of an existing team. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that too, right? People being managed or like on a very, very small team, right? And the idea is you'll build it over time, right? You might start sort of one and be this kind of like player coach thing where you're still doing a lot of tech stuff, but the idea is you grow a team over time. Um, I mean, I will, I will say, I do agree that I think if you're like, I must become a manager by like this December, that is going to be very hard to arrange within your company because like you said, there just might not be a position open, right? So certainly if you have a strict timeline, it is, it is easier to get that outside because there just may not be an opening at your company. But I think if you're more, you know, open to just kind of waiting for opportunities to come up, I think then, uh, I just know some places are reluctant to hire people who, like, even if you, you honestly kind of express how you've led a team or you've done a lot of mentoring, um, they really want someone who's, no, like we want someone who's like been a manager because there are other kind of like HR parts, right? Again, like the hiring, the firing, the being responsible I, okay. performance reviews. I think this is so different for if you are a big company or a small company. Because mm. like, I'm sure at like Boeing or something, they want to hire you if, to be a manager unless you're a manager for the reasons you described. But if you're at a company of like less than a hundred people and they have a data, like if they, if they, if you are, so I guess all of this is different for small companies, right? Which is if you are on a team of five data scientists with a manager, you will not be a manager until that manager quits, right? Because there just isn't another data science team to manage, right? So like at a small company, you don't really, there's like, you can't just get it. But similarly at a small company, if they only have three data scientists, they might be okay with hiring someone who hasn't actually been a manager, but has like had some leadership as an IC. Um, whereas yeah, Google or whatever, they may not be comfortable. So it really depends, I would say. Yeah, anything else on the the getting the manager? Oh, yeah, and I would say the other advantage, right, of like trying to take on the mentoring or lead is not just like, oh, let me like, you know, pad my resume or whatever. It's like, no, let me, do I actually like doing this kind of stuff, right? Do I like with like the leading the projects, like, you know, talking with other departments, like really, again, being like the buck stops here. Do I like, you know, spending, you know, a good amount of times in one-on-ones and growing teams? And maybe part of that means your technical skills aren't necessarily advancing as fast as they could because you're working more on leveling up the whole team. Like that can give you a little bit of an idea of, okay, would I enjoy becoming a manager? 
I will also say we spent half this podcast talking about how difficult it is in avoiding being the first data scientist. But this is a huge place where being the first data scientist pays off because you're the mm. first data scientist and you hire a second data scientist. Congrats, you are the manager, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, And like, I think that's how a lot of people get into data science management, just because so many companies want a data science team that they don't have before. They hire one IC. Cool. It's working. They hire a second IC. The first one's the manager. Um, yeah. uh, and so, and that's a great kind of manager role because you are managing, but you um, still are probably doing technical stuff because there's two of you or whatever, you know? So like, I think that, it's, I guess really for all of these roles, all of these roles are, being the first data scientist is good training for all of these roles. And yeah, especially for management, this can be exactly the thing that gets you the leg up and gets you the manager position. So I, I want to switch to independent consulting, right? Because this one is like, the other one's like, you can't, you can't really be a manager or principal without like some, company like bestowing that title upon you, right? Like promoting you or making you that title. But anyone can call themselves an independent consultant, right? You can just call yourself a freelancer, sort of where the rubber hits the road, right? Is like, okay, do you get do you get paid for it, which is presumably your goal in doing this. Um, but it does make it a little bit differently, right? And you don't like versus like I'm at this specific company, either I need this company to like promote or change my titles or I need to like, you know, go out for official job listings, right? With like a freelancer stuff, especially if you're starting a part-time, you just sort of need one, to right? To like get your feet yeah. wet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about, you mentioned the network. And so I just want to talk a little bit more about that because I agree. I think this is a huge thing if you're thinking about wanting to freelance to do independent consulting of, of what you need to do, which is building your network and building your public brand. Yeah, so I will say one, um, I really never figured out how to do outbound marketing as an independent consultant of like, I'm going to put my name out there and get people interested. That never worked. I don't think that ever works for any consulting company, honestly, like mm. deep in my heart. I think the way you always get jobs is some person has a problem and they're like, oh, I'm going to reach out to this person I know, or like, maybe I'll Google it, but like, I will, I will reach out then. I won't like get a flyer and a, a postcard in the mail being like right. hired this consultant. Um, so your network really matters. And like, how do you make these connections? One, it's often people you used to work with, right? It, whether it's as a different consultant, like as a consultant, a different consulting company, whether it's just literally from your previous jobs. And lots of times you can become a consultant by just not even considering this as a career until someone says, hey, could you help us out with a project? And you say, yeah, for a price. Um, and now you're a consultant. Um, but I will also say, if half the book was us saying, <laughs> it's important to be a, you know, it's hard to be a, the first data scientist. I will say half of our book is also, or half of our book and podcast has been saying, hey, having a blog, giving talks, mm -hmm. blah, 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 that stuff's all important. This is where that pays off huge. Because if people hear your talks, read your blog posts, things like that, that is a way I would get tons of inbound leads as a consultant is just from having my name out there as a person who says somewhat interesting data science things. Yeah. And I think like they're kind of um, two paths to right. You can be sort of like a generalist type thing, right? Where you show like, oh, here's a project where I did a citizen sciencing and machine learning. But I've often seen, or I've seen also consultants who are very, very successful. I think sometimes the most highly paid when they have a very specific brand. So for example, like they wrote the book, whatever on like natural language processing, like they ran experimentation at this huge company, right? Like, or they are like, um, I remember there was a consultant when we were at, um, at Etsy, right, with uh, with search, and it's because he did search, like, at this big company, and so, like, that is another way, because then people are like, oh, my God, we want to have, like, you know, we know, you know, we want the the experts at experimentation who are at Microsoft or whatever, because they're kind of world-class, and they wrote papers, so I think 
that can be one. And that, that takes time though, obviously, right? I think versus a general is probably with like a good, like mid senior thing, like whatever, like four or five years, you can get it. I think for those people who really have this specialty that does take longer to develop. Well, I would say it's not like you have to be the best natural language processing, blah, 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 person in the world. But like, imagine if you're like a, if you're a data scientist who every conference goes and talks about how to make, um, gosh, I don't know, like do a, a, a geographical analysis in shiny of, you know, a geographical analysis is fine, shiny. And you kind of get like a little bit of a rep of like, oh, yeah. they know, people know if you go give a talk, it's going to be on that. And like, I don't think that takes that many years to like have an interest and share it a lot. But I, or, or I don't think it takes that many years. And I also don't think you have to be the best person at geographical shiny analysis. It's just the person that one other person saw one time and remembers and then calls you up and they need you. Yeah, that's fair. I was just thinking, I do know some who basically, they're almost on like retainer for the company and basically they get paid to just sort of sit there and let other people ask questions of them. Um, <laughs> that is a real thing. A, yes. Yeah. No, I, uh, that's definitely a real thing. But like even geographical shiny person, you can be on retainer for anytime a company has the problem. Like, yeah, you just don't, you don't have to be the technically best to become an independent consultant, but you do have to have people know who you are, yeah. I would say, to like really kind of do this reasonably well. So. Yeah. And, um, you know, before we move on to the principle, one question I sort of want to ask is, I imagine some people thinking like, okay, um, you know, it, it feels like important maybe to get some experience to show that I can like do freelancing to have some projects to show. What do you think, Jacqueline, of maybe taking on like uh, lower paid projects at first just to sort of like build up like a freelancing portfolio? Maybe because the, the concern being is like no one's going to pay me 300 bucks now. But once I have, you know, I OK, I'll let someone pay me 75 bucks an hour so I can just have not just projects in the portfolio that I just did myself, but I can show clients like, hey, here's a happy client that like paid me money to do this. I'm getting worked. I think this is a deeply bad move, which is, okay. I think this is just, and I think artists do this. I think I've seen lots of people make this move, which is I'm going to start out cheap and then hopefully in the future make like a lot of money. It's hard, like you kind of set your own worth and so you can come in and say, like, look, I'm a $200 consultant. And people be like, wow, you must be good if you're charging that much. Like, there's a certain amount of, like, your rate kind of is a indicator of how valuable you are. And so I would say set your rate based on how much you think you are worth, like, how much your time's worth. Which is, like, if you're more junior, should you charge less than a more senior person? Sure. Because you're, you know, you have less going on. That's fine. But don't like, don't you, and I guess you didn't say this, but I'm reacting mm -hmm. to it. Don't work for pennies, like, or don't work for right. free or cheap to just try and get a few projects and then raise your rate later. Like really try and like be confident in whatever rate you choose and don't choose a rate that doesn't make it worthwhile uh, or sensible for you. And, and I will say these projects, I mean, they're so tricky because like, what if the project goes twice as long? Or, you know, what if your analysis doesn't find results? There's so many ways this can go south. So if you're not making enough money that like the stress and the, the, the extra stuff you might have to do makes it all worth it, um, then it's not good. I guess I'm also reacting to this because I've watched consulting companies bomb this of like, mm. oh my God, thank goodness, a client. Let's just charge anything so we can get another client. And then it's like, we actually lost money given the amount of hours we put in. And it's like, it's not great. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And so shall we switch to principal? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with this, and I want to touch on the, the career level idea. So I feel like my biggest piece of advice here, again, it's not specific for data science, but is to read Staff Engineer. I just found it extremely helpful. Um, 
you can buy the book, but also most, the majority of the book is available free online. I think you can find it through staffeng.com or, and you can, or you could just use it as a way to preview. But basically, I think a couple of things here, um, like I mentioned before, is that, you know, if you, you might have been used to being like, oh, you know, I'm getting like decent raises or promotions, you know, every like two to three years or whatever, you know, because I, I do good work. And then you might get frustrated when you're like, why aren't I getting like staff or principal? And the thing is, like a lot of people you interview the book, I also know like some great engineers I worked with at Etsy. Like it, it's pretty common for it to take, um, you know, sometimes like a couple cycles, uh, like a couple promotion cycles. So like a couple six months period to get promoted. And usually in data science, not necessarily as always as strict, but I just wanted to kind of bring this idea that it does, it doesn't just have to be at Google, right? Where I said it can be like really hard. Like most companies, it is you know, it, it, it's a fair amount of work that also involves your manager and sometimes your skip level manager to get that principal data scientist. Maybe not at startups because I see Jacqueline looking at me. No, I I'm, do having think, a re- yeah. I'm having a feeling about this. Yes, Here's my feeling. Okay. Here's my feeling. It's like you, it's not about the title. It's about how you act, right? You could be a senior data scientist and be a principal in practice, right? And so my advice here is... Um, Right. What does a principal do? A principal is the person who helps fix other people's problems, who people go to when they need to think about technical strategy. You don't get a promotion and you do that stuff. You do that stuff and then you get good of it. And eventually at some point you're like, this is ridiculous. Why am I not a principal promotion wise? You get that. And so this is one where I really think just do that job. Like, and you, I don't even know if you can consciously just do it as much as it just happens. Of like, if you're the person that, you're constantly thinking about data science in different ways. And so people want to bring you into stuff and like, Hey, you, you've, you're reading the blogs on, you know, new R packages. And so when someone does something, you're like, Oh, there's a new R package. If you do a lot of that, you are becoming a principal. And then if you start feeling like, Hey, wow, I'm really doing more helping people out and strategy than I'm doing actual work, then you should have the title of principal. And then you have those talks with your bosses or, you know, you kind of had that work, but I, I wouldn't focus on getting the title first I would focus on like, how do I change, you know, like, like just how do I start doing that principal style work and kind of grow from there? I feel like I agree. I feel like, you know, I'm going to do like one of those yes ands, right? Which I, <laughs> sure, which I really good. like that you do a lot. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think yes. And I have also seen, and this was like saying some of the interviews in the book mentioned, one benefit of the title for groups um, that are not a majority in tech fields, usually this is women or non-white people, is that they do find it gives them additional respect. It gives them like, like when they meet people, like folks, they, they notice a, a big change in attitude and how they are treated and the respect their opinions gave. And so they did say like, that was an important thing for the title for me. And that made a difference. And the other thing I do want to say, which could hold for anyone is I have seen like, you know, like why, right? Like why you should not necessarily always be the most important thing, but I do think it can be frustrating to people when they're like, I, like you said, like, if you're like, well, just, you know, you do the work and then you'll get recognized, your manager will promote you. And it's like, well, I'm doing the work, but I'm like not getting paid the same, especially if you're in a minority group. You're like, I see all these, like, you know, our principals, like all white men. And like, you know, I'm a like black woman, maybe. And I'm like doing this work and I'm not getting the recognition. I don't have the title. I don't get paid. That doesn't just harm you right in your current position. Um, you know, getting that title where you are having that title also affects your future earnings too. So I do think it can be a little frustrating sometimes you're like, I'll oh, just do, cause you know, many times yeah. or, or not many times, sometimes that work is not necessarily recognized. Right. And they're like, Oh, oh yeah. it's so great. You're doing that. And then you never, and, but they, they're like, well, we can get away with paying you what you are and you'll still do this awesome work. So I promote you. Yeah. Which is, I agree. I also agree with that, which is not, I think if you are realizing you are doing principal work and you have not been given the title principal, 
and there's not an interest in giving you that, then that's the sign you go to another company. But like that right there is like, for me, it's worked best where I've done like principal style stuff at a company, but I've never been, you know, I haven't technically been had the title of principal. And then at the next company, I'm like, I'm, I'm applying for a principal level position. Here's all my qualifications. Listen to all the stuff I did in my company. And then people are like, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. like, I think that works a lot better than trying to convince like, people in leadership who aren't taking you seriously that you are serious. Like, I think I find that very challenging. Yeah. And I, I do think like, you know, having said all that, I do think there can be, and this is, I, I would say maybe a controversial opinion that I've seen somewhere, which is sometimes people think that, um, you know, uh, that, that people don't necessarily might want that title necessarily before they're ready. As in someone's like, well, I have like, three or four years of experience, like I should, you know, and I've been like doing good work, I should be promoted. And that's where what I meant by this career level thing is like, you can be doing good work. A lot of companies, you will stay at that senior level, right? Like it becomes like, like there's just only a limit, like you were sort of saying earlier, right? There's a limited amount of these principal positions, right? It gets sort of fewer as you go. And so I do want to just say that, um, one, it doesn't mean you're not doing bad work if you're promoted, right? So, and, and two, you know, I, I think it works best when you can really honestly talk with your manager rather than be like, why the heck haven't I been promoted? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, it's like really talk is like, hey, I'm interested in this. I've been trying to, you know, I've been taking on these kind of additional things like mentoring my teammates, like leading this project. You know, I want to build up these skills. You know, what are some gaps that you see that that are remaining? I, I'd like to be considered in the next promotion cycle. Yeah. So I think we are largely then agreeing um, yes. because I... I, yeah, I guess I'm also reacting because I have seen people who are not doing principal work being like, I've been here for so long, but I should be a principal. And it's right. like, principal really isn't one that's just about the number of years. It's about, are you acting in that role? And so that's how I'm like, really? Yeah, make sure you're actually doing that role, blah, blah, blah. But I think you are concurrently correct of like, that is not sufficient. You also have to be talking to your manager, doing that planning, or, you know, as I was saying, switching jobs. <laughs> that's right, a problem. Right. Yeah, yeah. So on that, I just want to end with, um, again, this thing talked about staff engineer, right? But this is where to get that approach, like the sponsorship is really important. Again, this is where small companies and big companies differ. But at like medium to larger companies, usually, like sometimes it can work that basically like the eng managers or the data science managers, maybe the directors, whatever, come in a room and there are 10 people up for promotion and the company said, we're only promoting four people to principal, right? We, like, that's the one that's just the, we, we don't want more principals than that. We don't have the budget for it, whatever. And then basically, the managers essentially have to make the case and kind of like, you know, duke it out in some sense. So the point being, I do think good work here is not enough. It's about making sure you're making that work visible, like you're talking about, whether that's internally, or externally, that your manager knows, that maybe your skip level knows, um, that you're and that you're working actively with them and really, you know, it, it like basically meaning it does kind of take effort uh, to do this. This is, I think, it's very rare that I've seen, whilst I've seen some people kind of, it's always like they do good work, but almost like fall into, including me, like at the early stages, sort of like fall into getting a promotion. It's like, oh, that's a nice prize. Like, yeah, you know, I've recognized. I don't think that really happens with principal or staff. Like you have to make a pretty active effort. This is just mind boggling. I guess you are making me realize that I've only been at one company that does that kind of, or like one or two companies have done that kind of stuff. Like there always been small companies or like a tiny subsidiary of a giant company. So it's basically its own separate company. Like- I believe that probably you're right that the majority of people even like go through the processes you're talking about where they have the rooms and the promotion and that. Um, I've just never, I've barely experienced it. So it's it's like hard for me to like even process that. Yeah. Like I'm like, that yeah. seems so ridiculous. Why would you do that? But I, I do understand that's how the market Yeah, it does right. But, but that being said, I do think if all you care about is a title, honestly, like maybe just like go to a startup or whatever because like they don't give 
you know, they usually don't care that much about titles because they haven't had a thing. But the point being is like, you know, it should be about like, what, what work are you doing? What are you going to be able to learn? What kind of like support can you do? Um, rather than just necessarily like, let me get the next title as fast as possible. With that, shall we take a break? Let's do it. All right. So for the game for this week, I thought I would share some anonymized profiles of real people um, at the step before they became either a freelancer, a manager, or a principal, and see if you could guess what is that next step for them. So like, I'll give you their job titles and their education, and I want you to guess, oh, this person, I think their next title was manager, was principal, they became a freelancer. Are these real people? Yes, but I'm not going to share where they are, just the titles. No, that's fine. I'm just fascinated. Yes, that's so interesting. People. Okay, this yes. is fun. That would be yeah. more fun than making it up. Um, yeah. I okay. guess it'd be kind of a weird game. <laughs> it's more <laughs> risk. Anyway, okay, yes. This yes. is great. I'm fascinated. Okay, so person number one. So they get a BA uh, and master's in statistics. And then uh, from that, they go on to get a PhD in statistics. Um, in their PhD, they do... Um, they're like a teaching assistant, right? And a researcher, obviously. Their last summer, they are an intern at a company. Um, and then they, what is their title after they graduate a PhD and go, yeah, what is their title after they graduate a PhD? What do they go do? Sorry, I didn't, I missed it in that story. Do they have working experience besides the internship or just internship, finishing PhD and then working? Just the internship. Yeah, just, just, I think they have two. Maybe three. Yeah, like three internships. And it's no, going to be one yeah. of the three options, principal, independent. Jeez. I, that's This is mind-boggling to me because I would think with a PhD but only internships, you would not be able to get something that is more senior than senior data scientist. So this is mind-boggling to me. <sighs> I don't think it would be manager. I, I'm i going to say they're going to try being an in... No, I'm going to do I'm gonna do princi- or principal. I want to do principal. You are correct. And that's exactly why I picked this because I also was a little surprised, but that's what I wanted to show, right? Um, you know, we kind of talked about being promoted to principal, but this person was able to become principal at this, it's not a tech company, but like a decent sized company. I've heard of their tech team, uh, right? Just straight out of their PhD. But I wonder how much, I okay, I don't know. Do you think I title know inflation? Yeah, or just like, I don't know how, like if you describe principal as like, you're the data scientist with like, think like when there's a problem, they come to you, things like that. I don't know if you could get that. You could actually do that role of that. Like, I think thus this person who is a principal is probably like, it's probably a, like a, a super senior or something rather than mm-hmm. a principal. But I don't know. Well, I, don't I think know that's them. actually, you know, that's actually something we didn't talk about, right? But well, yeah, is that these titles can mean such different things at different places, right? Um, and even sometimes people may, you know, not like lie about their title, right? But but it could, right? It, I mean, for example, um, one company I know, right, calls people manager when they don't manage anyone, right? And like, that's kind of confusing to people externally. They're not lying what their title is. They are manager. Um, but what most people will read when they see that is not what they, they actually do. Which is maybe why earlier in this episode, I was trying to really harp on the, it's not the title, it's what you actually yeah. do that's like relevant for, but no, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So here's the next person. So they get a BA, MA, and then PhD in linguistics. Um, so they go like straight through all of that. They then have a postdoc um, for a year. Then they're a data scientist for a year, get promoted to senior data scientist for a year, switch to another company where they become data scientist again for a year, 
data scientists on a different team for a year? And then what is their title now? So they've had about four, uh, I'm just adding in my head, about four years experience that they were data scientists, senior data scientists, back to data scientists at a different company, data scientists at a different team at that same I company. think they're more likely to be a manager than a technical lead. And I don't think they'd be an independent consultant. So ding, my ding, guess ding. is going to, yes. Okay, let me talk manager. about why yes. I guessed that, which is I don't think that's enough consistent experience to get a technical lead, but I do think that's enough of being on different types of teams and knowing how organiz- learning how organizations work to be a manager. Nice. Okay. So next person uh, got their bachelor's in statistics in data science, again, straight through. They were then a product data analyst uh, for a year and a bit, then a data analyst at a different company for a year and a bit, then they were a statistician for a year and a bit, and then they became what? At first, I thought this was you. I thought no. this is you as a person. Because like, it, it started to check, and I was like, Emily, that's a daring move. Um, I think they're a principal. They are a freelancer. Wow, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, ding. yeah. Oh, wait, no, you didn't get ding, ding, ding. Doom, no. Doom. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So why did you guess they were they were a principal? I'm just curious. Because that just seemed like a very... I guess my expectation is to be a freelancer. You need so many contacts and things like that, and mm. I just didn't sound like that was enough to... That was enough of getting a network, but maybe that's a sign that my expectations for how much of a network you need are skewed and like, there's more here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. And again, I think it sort of depends, right? Are you someone that wants to maximize your consulting income, right? And be like, I need lots of projects. Or you're like, you know what? I'm okay. Actually like take maybe a little bit of a pay cut and like working like, you know, 20 hours a week. And so I only need a few things going on at once. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the next person got a BA in politics. Uh, I guess like really political science. Uh, then they were a research assistant, uh, research assistant at a company for two years, a consultant for three, um, an analyst for one and a half, uh, then a data scientist for a year and a half. And then they became... I think they're a manager now. Yes. Okay. I, this, I feel really accomplished. Yes. And actually they even now are... That that was a couple of years ago. They got that title, and they are now, in fact, a director. Um, so they yeah. moved up quick. Yes, especially if you go into consulting. Generally, consulting people are more interested in business and strategy, just as a stereotype. And that I think lends itself to management and director stuff more than it does generally technical lead. Okay, those are the four profiles I have. Wow. But yeah, I wanted to wanted to pick that right because there's it's also some of them where there are a few others I looked, especially with principal, and I was like, I can like they've worked like you know. 20 different things going on here. So yeah. I was like, this would take too long to list. Um, but I do want to say, right, you can you can have a lot of, of different paths, uh, right, to doing this. But I would say that the typical one for principal is a little bit less of that, like PhD straight into the job, but that's kind of why I wanted to highlight it. And is more just years of experience, usually at a couple, not always, but sometimes at a couple of different companies. That's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, on, yeah, that yeah. really is the benefit of working on a start. I mean, like to, to, to be clear, I don't know if I've ever like told people this, but so as a director, like in the end, I did manage a team of like, I had two managers who then managed teams. And so like, I like, I legitimately think I earned director, but I got that position. They hired me to be the first data scientist at the consulting company. And they said, okay, you'll be the principal, blah, blah. And I'm like, I want the title director. And they said, all right, sure. And then that's, that. so now I'm a director. No, no. And like, that's fine. Again, I think I'd had real director experience, but like you could kind of, you go to a smaller company, you can kind of just get what you want. <laughs> yeah. I will also say if you're um, 
trolling LinkedIn and uh, in certain places for some of these. One one thing to keep aware of is sometimes people just have their most recent title for a position. So for example, like they could be like, I am director at this company for like five years. They may have not had that title when they joined, right? So don't necessarily look at that and be like, oh, their only experience before being director was blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like four of the, and again, they're like, you know, they never say I was a director for all five years. Um, but I just wanted to point out that could be maybe misleading, whereas actually they were a data scientist and a manager and, you know, a senior manager, and then they became director. I think that's true. And also when people are like giving talks or like on panels and they're like, oh, I'm the director of blah, 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 previously as a vice president, of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's also like, oh, there's a lot more there, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. With that, shall we wrap this episode up? That's our show for the week. Check out our next bonus episode as we discuss managing your manager. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. If you have a question or feedback, please send an email to podcast at bestbook.cool. You can buy a copy of the book at bestbook.cool and use the code buildbook40% for 40% off. Our theme song is by the extremely funny Matt Bouchelle. And thanks to our publisher Manning for helping our book exist. And may your auto ML do better than just plain old ML. <laughs>